Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that it is possible for you to live the life of your dreams and to do the work that you feel most called to do in this world. Do you believe that that is possible? Well, I'm here today to tell you that whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're absolutely right. That is a quote that is attributed often to Henry Ford. I have no reason to believe why that would not be an accurate statement. I've not heard anybody say anything to the contrary. But I have heard that statement over and over again, and today I'm going to illustrate with a story from my own experience on how what you believe will determine your behavior in life. And specifically, it will change whether or not you are able to, in fact, live the life of your dreams, do the work that gets you excited to get out of bed every single day. For example, right now, it is 10.32 a.m. on the eastern coast part of the United States on Sunday, January 26, 2020. And I've been out of bed since, I don't know, 6, 7 o'clock this morning. I have been doing something that years ago, if I would have said, if you would have told me, Cliff, you're going to get out of bed and first thing you're going to want to do in the morning is get up and read. (laughs) And I've been reading, and then all of a sudden, I, I'm like, wow, you know what? I, something just occurred to me. I used to hate reading the way that I'm reading now. Actually, I used to hate reading altogether. At least I believed that I hated reading, and therefore, because I believed that I hated reading, I actually hated reading. All right. Where to go from here? Let me Let me just tell you real quickly, we ought to be careful what we choose to believe. And here's a a little quote from a book that I've recently read that supports a a ton of other things I've read in a number of books about how our subconscious mind works. But I've been reading this book called The Wizard Within uh, by Dr. A.M. Krasner. It is an introduction into the study of hypnotherapy. (laughs) Anyway, he says this in the book. He says, the subconscious mind is a powerful servo mechanism, an uncritical, non-judgmental computer. It will accept as true any suggestion that is allowed to bypass the critical factor of the conscious mind to make interest. (laughs) Why do I have such a hard time reading these particular words? Because I quoted this quote the other day and I got stuck right here as well. It accepts as true any suggestion that is allowed to bypass the critical factor of the conscious, there it is, the conscious mind to make entrance into See, I, I'm making up words now. 
to make entrance to its system of memory bank. Easy for me to say, as a professional communicator who has spent many thousands of hours communicating publicly. Wow. So what does this say? I love this. The subconscious mind, if you can get past the critical thinking mind, and and whether you've thought this thing out all the way, do I truly believe this? Do I have evidence to support or to, to refute this thing that I'm saying that I believe? But if all of a sudden I just like, boom, I have an experience, even if that experience sometimes is one time, but certainly if I condition it or it's repeated a couple times, I might not critically analyze whether or not this is a fact, but all of a sudden if I have something that happens and and I suggest to myself that this is fact, this is truth, that Boom, my subconscious mind says, oh, thank you, I'll take that and store it here and I will operate the way you do life forever based upon what you just told me to be true. I don't care if it's true or not. The, the, the subconscious mind is in non-judgmental, non-critical, uncritical. It, it, it will not criticize what you just told it. It will just accept it to be true if you've allowed it to get to the subconscious mind. Now, when I say forever, I mean it's forever until you un- until you remove that from the memory banks and write it with something different. But we're not going to go there today. Actually, I think we will. We actually we are going to go there today. So, how can I demonstrate this with you? Rather than trying to tell you this in the technical terms and everything, I'm just going to give you an example of how whether you believe you can or believe you can't or whatever you believe to be true will be true for you. You will live your life and you will experience the results of that being true, whether it's actually true or not. (laughs) Because if it's true for you, if you believe it's true, it is true for you. Here is the example. From the time that I was a kid, all the way through elementary school, high school, and even in college, I believed that I hated to read. I had a belief that reading was tedious, it was boring, uh, it was challenging, I didn't read as fast as everyone else, I, I took tests. Matter of fact, I didn't do a lot of reading as a kid. I wasn't, I don't know that I wasn't encouraged to. I mean, I remember the little gold foil leaf books or whatever, you know, the little children's books and stuff like that. But even my earliest recollection of reading, I remember the 45 RPM records that you would put on your on your record player and you would have one of those uh books that go along with the record and it would uh ding that you put the needle on the record and it would read the book to you and at the end of a page it would go bing which tells you sh- you should flip the page and it would read this book to you I-, I had the peter pan i can fly i can fly it was a disney record it was, it was so cool i re- my earliest recollection of reading was having a record player read to me as i was reading and i don't know that i ever picked up one of those loves for reading and and i knew stories and and still today i'm fascinated to hear the stories of friends of mine who when they were kids they devoured books nonstop See, I devoured video content. I devoured computer resources. I, I devoured 
anything else other than reading, it seems, while some other people are out there reading The Lord of the Rings, you know, these these massive multi-volume novels of of fictional stories and and even nonfiction accounts in some cases, some friends of mine. But all I all I know is that I just don't remember being encouraged the importance of reading as a child. But I do know that the the higher I got up in through my educational experience, reading was more and more uh, required. I remember in elementary school, I was I would have a textbook, and I'm supposed to read chapters three and four, and I'm supposed to study this and and stuff like that. And we're going to test you on this. And then all of a sudden, I would do a test, and I wasn't I'd never really cared about grades until ninth grade. So I always had terrible grades and and it just wasn't that big of a deal to me uh, in those early ages. I had, uh, in those early ages, I had... I had other things on my mind when I was in elementary school, and, I, and I'm trying to stay on track. So I'm just going to say that I didn't have great grades. And so a lot of maybe early associations with the thought was, man, I must not be a great reader because I, I read that chapter, and I, it was one of those things where I would read it, but as I'm at the end of, I would finish a paragraph, and, a, and by the end of the paragraph, I've had 15, 20, 30 different thoughts go through my mind that had nothing to do with the paragraph that I was reading. So it's possible for me to actually be sitting there reading a paragraph on a book while having a completely separate thought, daydreaming about being outside with my friends, you know, getting on a motorbike or a four-wheeler, going out running through the wind, you know, the wind blowing on my face. I, I'd be thinking about a ton of other things other than what I'm reading because I had, and now I can look back and it's like, I just had zero interest in what they were forcing me to read. And so even though I was actually technically reading, I wasn't retaining. I had no desire to retain it, uh, and and my my test scores uh, approved that. And so over time, I I don't know, but I, I'm thinking maybe there might have been a suggestion that maybe a teacher may have told my parents that you know I think your son has a developmental issue with reading. He's not able to comprehend what he's reading and stuff like that. I don't know if there were times that that maybe it was suggested I had to uh, uh, a tutor. I, I sort of recall some of this. Some of this I may be mixing up with my ability to do math, which those of you who have been listening to or following my content for many years, you may recognize the fact that um, I've, I've, I've actually said several things and I realize now I, I, I've admitted and confessed I am terrible at live math. I am not great at math. And I've actually hypnotized myself to believe, and I've suggested enough times that I'm terrible at math, that my subconscious mind has no reason for it to go to work and give me the answers that I need to the, even the simplest of math skills because I've consistently told it over and over again, I, I suck at live math. And so, therefore, I live that out, and, and I've done it for you guys many times. But this is about reading. So, I remember high school. High school literature. What do you call those co- courses? The the I think it was it literature that they call it, uh, but it was English literature, English lit. I, yeah, I think that's it. But I remember going through high school a couple different times. I had literature classes, and they would assign books like um, Les Misérables and the gosh, what are those books? The the one with 
the Oedipus complex and uh, gosh, I can't even think of the names of the books uh, of mice and men. I, and and all I mean all of these classic works of literature, uh, the de- death of a mockingbird, death of <laughs> I don't remember. I didn't read any of them. Uh, the cool thing is, is that back then when I was in high school, they had these things called Cliff's Notes, and so I don't think it was actually cheating because they were my notes, right? Yeah. Anyway, I would actually have an assignment to read a book, a classic piece of literature, and I would go and get one of these book summaries, and I would read the summary. And that would give me just barely what I needed to even get a a decent score. Actually, that's not true, because when I actually was in high school, from ninth grade all the way through 12th grade, I actually had straight A's and B's, and actually getting a B was very rare for me. So, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think I graduated with something like a 3.98 GPA. Uh, and that's all because of some other beliefs that I had and, and things of that nature. And I didn't hardly ever do any homework. And I certainly, and I can tell you this, in all of my time through high school, in all of the years that I had English classes or literature classes, out of all of the books they've ever assigned to me, I can tell you, Through my high school career, there was not a single book that I read from the front cover to the back cover, or from the first word of chapter one until the final word of the the last chapter in the book. Not once ever in all of my high school full year four years in high school, not once did I ever read a book from front cover to back cover. Now I'm trying to think about, and it's (laughs) I'm getting kind of old now, but. In college, I don't think I actually ever read any books there either, from front cover to back cover. Now, don't get me wrong. In college, there were lots of books that I needed to read, and there were certainly a lot of uh, textbooks that I needed to read. Psychology books, which, by the way, did awesome in psychology. History books did amazing in history. I was a history major for a good period of time, and I was a public communications and uh, acting minor. I love communications, and I love history, and I loved learning about things. I actually do love to learn. I just thought that I hated to read. So what I would do is I would actually just read what I needed to read to get by, and thankfully, I always chose college professors who relied more heavily on their teaching through the lectures that they gave versus the chapters in books that they assigned. And and I I was able to discover very quickly that that's that I'm going to do much better if I have a teacher up in front speaking to me what they want me to know, and also very thankfully, being the tech guy that I am, this is a little side note about college for me. I remember in college I had a laptop. This is gosh, what is this? This is the mid '90s, early to mid '90s. I'm in college and I'm I'm literally the only kid in any class that brings a laptop to school. And the laptop is about I'd say 2 inches thick and the battery lasts for about maybe an hour. And so in between you know I'd have to either in between classes plug it in, hopefully it'll charge up a little bit before my next class or I'd always sit in the back of the class so that I could actually plug into the wall. 
but I, I got approval from all of my professors and I could type super fast. I'm, a, I'm an incredible, incredible typist. So what happened was my professor is giving his lecture up in the front of the room and I'm literally typing every single word the man is speaking. Now, and with without missing hardly any words whatsoever. I mean, literally transcribing word for word everything that he's he's speaking in front of the room. And then, if he draws something on the on the chalkboard, uh, yes, I was in college when they still had chalkboards. He would draw a diagram or an illustration on a chalkboard, and I would go. I have a notebook standing by, and I would draw that as well. And then I would go back to my dorm, and I would take a photo of what I had drawn. I would then convert that over into my computer, and then I would paste that into my notes so that my my typed up notes and all of the diagrams. So much so that. Um, you, here's, here's what happened. This is the way that I discovered that I learned. And this is what reinforced like reading is a total waste of time because here's how I love to learn. I would hear my professor. Oh, by the way, I just remembered this just came to me. I had a micro cassette audio, a micro cassette voice recorder. So a little voice uh, tape recorder ran on micro cassettes and I would also use the recorder just in case I did miss a word. I do remember that now. The reason why I never missed a word is because I had a backup and if I went to my dorm that night and I, and I said, and I had like dot, 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 if I typed in dot, dot, dot and there's some spaces in there, it means I missed something he said which means that I need to go back to the recording on the micro cassette and play back that portion so that I can actually, I mean, I literally had a direct transcript with no words missing by the time I was finished. But here's what happened. I would be hearing my professor speak, so I'm taking it in audibly. I am then using my fingers to type the words on the screen. I'm actually literally seeing visually seeing the words typed in front of me. And then I would go back at night and I would go through and listen to that lecture again, make sure I didn't miss any of the words. I would fill in the blanks where I had left in the spots to fill in the blank. And and then I wouldn't think about any of that stuff other ever again. I would just go on to my next class, do the next thing. This is all I did just over and over again. But what most students in college did was they would hear the professor and just listen. They might jot down a note or two in a notebook, but that's it. But then they would, when it came time to study for tests, they would rely on the textbooks. But the textbook was nowhere near what the professor taught in class. Now, don't get me wrong. He, he covered the, the basics of what was in the text, but he elaborated, and it was the test was, was mostly about elaborating. Now, thankfully, my, mo, I also chose professors that didn't give me multiple choice options to where I had to choose the exact right answer out of three or four options. I chose professors that allowed me to do essay tests. So the, he would say, hey, explain why this was important. And then I, w- I could actually write in my own words why I felt that was important. When I say this phrase, how, you know, how does that relate to this situation? 
And 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 all I can tell you is that I remember specifically, vividly, some of the illustrations he made on that board. I remember specifically some of the phrases he said, some of the jokes that Professor James Westheider said in college. And I, I just and and when I actually think about some of those things, I actually can think about the actual words on a screen that I typed and and then what would happen is right before it was time for an exam, it's midterm or final exam time, everybody's freaking out because they're like, oh my gosh, what chapters is this going to be on and all this other stuff. And what did I do? I took all of my notes, I went to the library, and I printed out a copy. And I just read my notes over again. Now, some of these notes I had not seen for months or many, many weeks, but I would, I would just go through my notes, and I would just, it's like, yeah, I remember that, yeah, I remember that, yeah, I remember that, and I'd go in the next day, and I'd have one of those composition books, and he's like, okay, here are your questions, and, and I would write out the question, and then I would start writing page after page of just things that I think about as it relates to the stories he told, and I'd just tell things in my own words. I was an A student in college, never read a textbook. Never did. Never read a textbook. Uh, literature classes, stuff like that. I still cheated when it came to reading uh, book summaries. And by then, there were usually some halfway decent movies that filled in some of the blanks. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. It just didn't matter. But I had straight A's in college, and I did it this way. And the the and I could do. I could. I found that I could get through my educational experience and get straight A's, passing everything with flying colors, being the star student of the class. So much that, by the way, uh, I was an early entrepreneurial back, uh, entrepreneur back then. I sold printed copies of my notes to fellow classmates. And so it was so awesome and it got so well known that Professor James Westheider, uh, he started to uh, promote the sale of my printed out notes to all the other versions of the same class that he taught for throughout the different parts of the week. And so people I'd never heard of say, hey, are you Cliff Ravenscraft? Do you have any more copies of your notes for sale? Professor Westheider said that I could reach out to you. You might be interested in selling me a copy of your notes. Uh, I loved college. I, I loved that part of college. But the thing is, though, is I went through high school, Never read a single book from front cover to end cover. There were only a couple classes where I would read within a textbook, but very few times did I ever read an entire uh, th- uh, thing. I would just go through and I'd like bits and pieces. What do I need to know out of this? What what stands out here? What what can I get by with? That's all I ever cared about. What could I just? What do I have to know? Because I don't want to waste my time reading. Because I had this belief that I'm a terrible reader that I'm not good at comprehension and, and recitation and being, and, and that was all very much um, reinforced by standardized, te- standardized testing in high school because they, they were different portions of this test. And some tests I got really high scores, but when it came to reading and then remembering and then reciting to you what I just read one time, I, I, I was terrible at that. My ACT scores, great in certain areas, reading about some three to five paragraphs and then having a, a, a bunch of questions about the things that I just read, it just didn't get retained. My mind tended to wander, all right? And I felt and was taught that that's a bad thing 
because just because I read it one time just means that, uh, and I didn't retain it, I'm a terrible reader. So throughout my educational career, specifically, even more importantly, through high school and then through college, I developed a firm belief, I hate to read. And I ask myself, why do I have that belief? Because I am a terrible reader. I'm a slow reader. I don't comprehend. I don't remember anything I read. It doesn't matter. I hate to read. And after college, you may be shocked to hear that I didn't read much after college. I didn't. And so, you know, I go from one standard job to another after I, by the way, I didn't finish, I didn't like graduate college. I decided college wasn't for me. Uh, why, you know, that, no, that, you know what, none of that matters. I'm going to stay on target here. That's a whole nother story. I'd be happy to tell you that stuff as part of other stories where it's more relevant to the thing. But I didn't, I, I did about two and a half years of college before I decided I didn't know what I wanted to really do with my life, and rather than waste any more money, just kind of like Steve Jobs decided, it's like, listen, I'm, I'm just going to go out and do something else. I'll, I'll figure it out along my way. But I jumped from one standard job to another, customer service here. I, I worked a various bunch of employee hourly rate jobs and stuff like that. And then when I got married, I was still working in customer service, wasn't making tons of money. I wasn't advancing in anything beyond what would, you know, be a, a, a decent pay. So, um, you know, and of course, you know, there wasn't, there was, I wasn't learning. I wasn't doing a lot of personal growth in my life. I, don't get me wrong. I was doing a lot of spiritual growth in my life because back then I had a very real belief that, that my calling in life was to do ministry work. And so eventually, by the way, Eventually, I did start, I, I, I got hired to come in and work in my mom and dad's insurance agency. You guys know that story. And I got hired there because of my computer expertise, which I discovered computers and learned how to computers. I learned how to do code. I learned how to code basic back in the 80s. I learned how to do HTML back in the early to mid-90s. I learned about how to do bulletin board systems. All this other stuff, never once did I read a book on any of those topics. Still have not to this day. But I I taught myself all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, now I have a tech... I, I move into what's now a professional career. Now... I'm working in a family-run insurance agency. I've done all the computer stuff, but now all of a sudden there's an opportunity to get my insurance license. And I, I can remember the first professional books that I ever studied from front cover to back cover were the books that were required to prepare you for your property and casualty and your life and health insurance license. So there were two books that I read in my professional career as an insurance agent. I read the entire pictorial uh, exam preparation course material book for property casualty insurance and for um, life and health insurance licenses for the state of Kentucky to pass those exams. And let me tell you, this is deep material. This is extremely technical material. And these aren't written books like a standard written book. It was literally exam preparation. It taught you this stuff, and it was, I mean, it was hardcore. And I probably had hundreds and hundreds of hours. 
but I probably only spent hundreds and hundreds of hours because I, t- I had this belief that I'm terrible and I'm horrible at this stuff. And even though I went hardcore into this, when it came time to go get my insurance license, I passed both of those exams. I passed my property and casualty exam. I passed my life and health exam, but I did not get straight A's. Uh, I, I did not get 100% on those tests, but I got enough that was required to get my license, and then I was all hunky-dory, and I still really retain a ton of that information today just because of the repetition that I forced myself to go through, but as I was going through it, I hated every moment of it, and it was a chore, and, and, I, and I hated it because I believed how terrible I was at reading, so not a whole lot of reading there, and I... I can tell you that I went back to college once I finally truly found out what I wanted to do with my life, or at least my belief at the time of what that looked like. You see, when I got married, a couple months after I got married, I had this belief. I, I want to devote the rest of my life to full-time ministry. I believe that I'm supposed to devote the rest of my life to being a pastor, and I shared that with some folks at my church, my pastor, church board, they they questioned me and, and or questioned me. They interviewed me and they said, okay, yeah, we definitely sense this calling. And I was in the Nazarene church at the time. They said, we think you should take, we think you should pursue the, the route of elder, becoming an elder in the Nazarene church. This is what that path looks like. It requires that you do get, um, you either have to do this for so many years or you have to go through these courses and get a degree and so I signed up for distance learning. I actually went back to college, but at night. I'm working at the insurance agency during the day. I am a husband and a, a brand new father at night. And, or, well, actually all day, I was, a brand, I was a brand relatively new husband and a brand new father. And I've got all this stuff going on. And I'm studying at night to become this licensed minister in the Nazarene Church. And there are, and it's, it, there are no lectures there are zero lectures. Distance learning, at least Nazarene Bible College, the, the years that I did it, you sign into an online classroom and it's got your assignment. Get this book, this book, this book. Read chapters one through eight. Write a summary of chapters one through eight. You ha- And then your, t- your peers were going to, st- it's like, I have to read. Oh my gosh. And so I, I think in college, for Nazarene Bible College, I believe I ended up reading about seven books that are theologically based. And and they were, out of the seven books, maybe three of them were halfway interesting to me. The other ones were way not interesting to me. The three of them that were, were, you know, they, they had, they had some merits and, and it wasn't a, an extremely terrible experience, but I still believed how much I hated to read. And for the longest time, those were the last three books. Matter of fact, those those three books at Nazarene, is this possible? I think this is possible. And and don't get me don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm 47 years old. All right, I'm 47 years old, and I'm not. I have not taken time to evaluate. Have I ever really read a book from front cover to back cover ever? of my own free will without it being assigned to me and all this other stuff throughout my life. Is there anything that I'm missing? And, and just right now, nothing comes to mind. So I, I'm not saying that there's not some kind of hidden memory of a book that I read when I was a kid from front cover. To, there was one book. 
Oh my gosh, it just came to me. There was one book. It was a book that I it was I was in college and I don't know how it was called Mystery 101. Oh my gosh, this is coming and I loved it. Oh my gosh, this is this is totally blowing everything out of the water. No, it doesn't. But I remember a book. I remember a book that I I read. I was in college and it was, it, I think it was like a teen, like a young adult reader book. I don't know how I came across it. Uh, across it, I, I do remember buying this book. I, I owned this book and I read it. It was called Mystery 101 and it was about the, it was a fictional story, which all of a sudden I was like, boom, I kind of like fiction. Um, it was this fictional story about a college campus and there was this hidden underworld underneath the stacks, which of course is what they call the library. And in this world, there, it's, it's so stupid for me to even think about now and I'm, it feels weird to admit it. But there was this entire leprechaun community underneath the library and it's so silly, but I found myself enjoying this book and I'm like, and now that I think about it, that's really the only book that I ever read of my own free will back then throughout all of this experience that where I read a physical book loved every single moment of it moment of it and hated when it was over and there have been a couple times now that I think about it there's been a couple times in my adult life where I've gone to look for that book and I can't find it anywhere uh, matter of fact now that I think of it maybe I'll go and see if I can find this it's I'm pretty sure it was just called mystery 101 it was about a college campus, library stacks, and an underground world. And it, and I don't know if it was actually leprechauns or if it was midgets or and I don't know if that's a politically correct thing, but it was it was drawers, small people, whatever. But I just remember this story. I, my apologies if I let out some kind of old conditioned word of of midgets and that was offensive but i i don't mean it in an offensive way it's just that's what was stored and associated for that period of time in my life so anyway one book okay so there, i do know there was one book that i read of my own free will that i actually enjoyed and i can't think of another i really can't and as a matter of fact i remember that one so vividly now i remember where i was when i read I, this is incredible i'm just it's it's coming back to me but i remember it being such a big deal because it was the only book that i ever chose to read on my own from front cover to back cover so we we go to nazarene bible college and of course there i did that for two years got my district minister's license boom everything's cool and then after that i'm like okay no more books for me you know i hate to read i hate to read i hate to read over and over again i hate to read and so i'm actually you know i've got my license for my uh, selling insurance i don't need to do any more studying there and here's what i will tell you is that I can tell you that there are some real issues with believing that you hate to read because I look at my life and and I can see where there wasn't a ton of amazing personal growth that came from the inspiration of the of either fictional works of literature or nonfiction work works of, of written uh, books. Thankfully, though, I loved documentaries. I loved movies. I loved television shows. I loved, um, you know, I, I loved a lot of other stuff. I, I used to listen to talk radio a ton. Can you tell I loved to, I'm, I, I'm a vi- audio visual learner. I'm an audio visual learner. That's who I am. That's, I do know that about me. Um, 
I, I'm, I, I love the tactics of taking notes. If I'm taking notes or I'm writing something down and I'm hearing and I'm seeing, everything's fine. Uh, but man, I just, I, I had this belief. I hate to read. I hate to read. I'm not good at reading. I'm slow reader. I don't comprehend what I'm reading. And I kept telling myself and I believed that. And as a result of that, the only kind of personal growth I had over the years was the various other experiences I had in life. When there's all these great books that could have uh, been there for me. Now, here's what I will say. Um, I, and I have a little outline that I created for myself. I wrote down here next that I want to share with you is I remember the when I first read when I read my very first ebook my very first ebook so I I'm a, I've always been a technology guy I always love new tools new gadgets new anything technology and so I had the the iPhone and I I don't remember what what year the iPhone came out right now but then all of a sudden they had the app store and one of the earliest versions of apps was a Kindle reader that you could get a Kindle reader app for your iPhone. And I downloaded this or what or did, was it actually before the Kindle? I you know what now that I think about it, I don't know. No, 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 no. It was on my iPhone. I do remember on the iPhone, it was the Kindle app before I ever got a Kindle. So what happened, because I wouldn't have bought a Kindle knowing that I hate to read, right? So I had my phone, I downloaded the Kindle app, and I and I looked at, well, did you guys know that you can go into, if you've had the same Amazon account ever since you first signed up for Amazon, which I do, I went into Amazon today in preparation for this content, and I made the decision that I'm going to do some research about, you know, what what kind of stuff have I been influenced by when it comes to reading? And by the way, my subsequent love of reading. Because I will tell you today, I can say wholeheartedly, I love to read. In fact, not only that, I can tell you I am an incredibly awesome reader. I don't read the same way other people read. I may not be a speed reader yet haven't decided to become a speed reader, but I love to read, and I'm going to tell you how that all changed for me. But you can go into Amazon, and you can go into orders, and then you can click a tab that says digital orders, and then it has all the different years of that you, you've placed. And I went back, and I see that there was an order all the way back to 2009. It was March 5th, 2009, the very first book I ever purchased on the Kindle app on my iPhone was the Four Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris or Tim Ferris. The Four Hour Workweek ebook on my phone, and it was a sh- very small, short book, just a few words on the screen, and it was flipping, flipping, flipping. And, he, and it was in my pocket. I didn't have to carry around this physical book. And, and it was so convenient, I'd be going to pick up my kids from school, and I'd be sitting in the line, the, the line at the parking lot, I've got 15 minutes, and I would just sit there and flip through and read a couple of pages. Now, technically speaking, the screen was so small, and the words were so big, that a couple flicks of the screen, it, it's like five pages on the iPhone, was like one page on a book, right? But I'd, I'd get 15, 20 pages in, and then all of a sudden, I, I find myself, I'm at lunch, and I'm standing in line. And I'm literally, I'm like reading this book throughout my day, various, and I'm like, I can't wait to read the next chapter. I can't wait, wait, read to what comes next in this book called The 4-Hour Workweek. 
And before I know it, it's like, it's just like a couple of days. Well, first of all, I found that I loved it so much that I, I'm like, okay, I like this. I'm going to go look for some other books to read. And I purchased another book on March 5th, 2009 called The Practice of the Pre- Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. I had heard so many people talk about this book, but I'm like, I wonder if that's available in ebook. And it was, so I purchased it that day. So here's the thing. March 5th, through March 13th, I read two books from front cover to back cover electronically. Two books in just a few days. Oh my gosh. And I loved it. I finished the four hour work week and I finished the practice of the presence of God. And it was incredibly awesome. And by the way, I could highlight inside of the app, which was awesome which made it super easy for me to then go and record content and talk about what I was learning. I remember today vividly where I was in certain places where I read certain sections of each of those books. And I remember creating content, talking about what I learned, and I loved it. And then on March 13th, 2009, I bought The Shack in ebook uh, by Paul, William Paul Young. Oh my gosh, did I love this book. It was a page turner. I was like everywhere I could be by myself, any moment of the day that was free, I was reading this book on my iPhone. Loved it. Um, Of course, that book, I started having tons of conversations, lots of, uh, just a lot of stuff going on about processing that. And I, I like dwelled on that for a while, at least a month I know. And then on April 26, 2009, I purchased Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That was April 26, 2009. By this time, I have, I have discovered, oh my gosh, I love to read. I just hate physical books. Boom. New belief established, replacing the old one. I now have discovered that I absolutely love to read, that I'm great at reading, but what I hate are physical books. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, here's why. I hate physical books because you can't carry them with you. I love the convenience. I have this little, I have a, I have a device in my pocket. I can pull it out anywhere, everywhere. And can I just pick up where I left off? I love this device. I can't do that with a physical book. Um, highlighters. Even if I carried the physical book around, did I remember to bring my my highlighter with me? You know, it's like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, hey, I want to create a piece of content. Oh, where's the book? I left it at the office. Crap. Physical books equal pain. Physical books inconvenient. Physical books, too many words on the screen. Physical books, this. Physical. I hate physical books. I haven't, now all of a sudden I'm evaluating this. I don't hate to read. I just hate physical books. So now I've established a new distinction. I hate physical books. And I love ebooks. And the next thing you know, I, I I see the Kindle devices coming out and boy I bought every single Kindle device for years. Every ebook reader. And I'll never forget this is back when ebook reader the, the Kindle and the, the ebook readers, the you know, the elect the the electric ink papers. This is before they had backlights. So I actually went out and bought a actual book light and, and I would be able to read at night on my Kindle. 
I'd be I'd take my Kindle everywhere, and I like the Kindle device because um, it didn't distract me. And I had this belief like, oh, I get too distracted by my phone and all this other stuff. So I'm gonna have this Kindle device, and also I want to be able to read outside and. E-ink is super easy to read out. So I, there's all kinds of reasons why I convinced myself I need an, a Kindle reader. And and I stopped reading ebooks on my phone for a while. Uh, there was more words on a page. All of a sudden, I, now, all of a sudden, now I like more words on a page, right? But I still hate the physical stuff. Why? Well, I still have to bring my Kindle. It's a separate device. Yeah, but I have all of these books. And it's amazing the stories that we tell ourselves about what we love and we don't love, what we like, what we hate. Be careful about these things we tell ourselves. That's what I'm trying to communicate here. So I discovered that I love to read. All of a sudden now, I'm an e-book junkie. I mean, my and my life began, this is when, it was when my love for reading was discovered that all of a sudden I see a complete shift in the tra- trajectory of my life. How is that possible? Well, it's very, my spiritual life, my marriage, my parenting, my business life, my professional life, all of that radically altered over this course. By the way, all of this is after I've let, this ebook stuff is all after I've left my career as an insurance agent. The, in March 5th, 2009, that's three months into the second year of full-time self-employment, which by the way, January 2008, you guys have all heard this story before. I only made $11,000 net income my entire year of my first year in business. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I knew back in 2008, I hate to read. But And then the first three months of the first year, I still hate to read until I discovered that I don't hate to read in March of 2009. And it's not surprising that everything that changed for me started to change significantly from March 2009 to October 2010. There's a very real period of time there that I think is very important for me to point out. It's because that's the time from March 2009 through October 2010 is where I experienced massive personal growth and overwhelmingly exponentially more awesome contribution to my audience that listens to the content that I was creating. But most of that personal growth happened on my own. Me teaching myself. It wasn't in relationship with a lot of incredibly other awesome people. It was a lot of my own just devoting myself. I, I looked at my Amazon ebooks that I purchased. Like I said, the four hour work week, the practice of the presence of God, the shack, think and grow rich. Then rework by Jason Freed, love and war, finding the marriage you've always dreamed of by John and Stacey Elders. The epic of Eden, a Christian entry into the Old Testament. Terrible book, by the way, but I was so in love with reading. I'm like, I want to read something more faith-based. I asked a friend of mine, he suggested that book, read it from front cover to end cover, Hated it. Whole book, terrible. All right. (laughs) But I still loved reading. Uh, The Twilight Saga collection I purchased, but never read in ebook form. Uh, I'll get to that in just a moment. The Oh, I remember this one. The Autobiography of George Mueller. M-U-L-L-E-R. Actually, it's George Miller, but it's spelled M-U-L-L-E-R. Um. The Next Christians, Seven Ways You Can Live the Gospel and Restore the World. I remember reading that. I don't remember if I liked it or didn't like it. Um, 
but I'm, I'm sure it had some impact on, on, and it's probably still having impact on me today. I just don't recall. I didn't even remember that book, but until I saw that I had purchased it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that being another recommendation. Uh, Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore by Wayne Jacobson and Dave Coleman. All is Grace, a gift. That, that ebook was a gift from my friend David Foster, uh, who has since passed away. Uh, but man, All is Grace by Brennan Manning. The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eckerd. That one changed my life forever. Free the Dream, opening keynote address. You can get it today, mindsetanswerman.com slash free. What I teach in that opening keynote address, I learned specifically from the opening chapters of T. Harv Eckerd's book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Everybody talked about it. I read it. It was an influential book. I understood why everybody loved it. I hated it. I still hate it to this day. It reminds me of E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber, another book, extremely powerful. I understand why everyone loves it, and I still hate it to this day. Both Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and E-Myth, they basically, in my mind, are lumped together. They're the same message. You need to build a business with an exit strategy in mind. You need to invest in blah, 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 and all this stuff. And there, there's still some caveats. There are still some principles in there that I know that I should love that I, for me to truly succeed in some of the things that I feel are a part of my future, I will need to implement but there's still some overall messaging in both of those books that I absolutely despise and I've fought against. But again, it's it's important to ch- it's, to put your what what do you believe in check? And I realize I still have some beliefs there. They may even be considered limiting beliefs that I will probably come back and evaluate at some point. But I remember Rich Dad, Three Free Sins is a book by Steve Brown. Incredible book. If you want to hear one of the best pieces of content I've ever produced in my life, that I'm most one of the pieces of content I'm most proud of, go to um, go to gspn.tv slash three free sins, all spelled out. T H R E E free F R E E S I N S. Three free sins. gspn.tv slash three free sins. Incredible. All right, um, The Hunger Games, which I don't think I ever read in ebook format, but I did buy them. Uh, I'll get back to that with The Twilight Saga in just a moment. Then there was Entree Leadership. Actually, you know what? Um, some of, uh, you know what? I got, I got out of here. It was All in Great, All is Grace, Rich Dad, Three Free Sins, and so many more. Okay, so actually, Three Free Sins was the last ebook that I meant to mention here because then there was the Discovery of audiobooks. And this started in late 2009. So I had purchased the Twilight Saga books. But for whatever reason, at the time, I was having a challenge reading a fiction book. Um, I, I think it was just more about the fact that I was addicted to personal growth at the time. And, and as a result of that, I'm like, you know, ain't nobody got time for fiction. All right, I, I maybe that's what was going on, but I went to the library and I noticed that they had the CD sets of the audiobook of the Twilight Saga series, and then I'm like, okay, well, I can actually bring the, I can borrow those from the library. 
I took the CDs, I burned them to CD uh, to MP3s, and actually, you know what? And I realized then that some of those didn't work. And then I remember I actually bought the uh, iTunes versions of the audiobooks uh, of that. So I listened to an audiobook of Twilight, and then is it New Moon, and then. Uh, Eclipse, and then Breaking Dawn. By the way, I'm a bigger... I'm There There are a few Twilight fans that are in our household. They've all moved on in life. I am still the biggest Twilight fan in our household. Stephanie and I, if you didn't know this, years ago we did the Twilight Saga podcast. You can go check it out, twilightsagapodcast.com. Twilightsagapodcast.com. <sighs> Which, by the way, there's a story... Actually, about how that podcast led us to then the Hunger Games, which I also listened to in audiobook format. But that's when I discovered Audible at that time. And it was the fiction audiobooks that create, where we created fiction audio podcasts. We had, by the way, the Hunger Games podcast. You can find that. Guess where? Yeah. The Hunger, it's actually not the, it's hungergamespodcast.com. Go to hungergamespodcast.com. You can listen to all of our episodes about the Hunger Games. And it was the Hunger Games podcast that ultimately led to one particular listener sending us a voluntary contribution, a donation for the content to say thank you for the content for $12,000. And you can see that letter that accompanied the check for $12,000 at gspn.tv slash check gspn.tv slash check. All right. So anyway, I discover audiobooks. After going through that, I and then all of a sudden I discover Audible in 2010. Of course, I heard about Audible before then, but I'm like, man, I, I really like this. So the first Audible purchase I made was How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was on January 11th, 2009. I remember where I was on what road trip when I listened to the audiobook of that. By the way, the narration of it, absolutely terrible. The The voice of the author who read it, uh, is it's just not enjoyable to listen to at all. But I, the content was so powerful that I'm like, heck yeah. And then right after that, I p- purchased the book The Tipping Point by Malcolm, Gl- Malcolm Gladwell. And Malcolm Gladwell read and narrated the book. It was pretty decent. It was entertaining enough. But I found that I wasn't actually picking up a lot of the of the meat of what he was saying because I would be hearing him, but my, my mind would go off with tangents of what I think as it relates to that a little bit here and there. It's kind of like I felt like I need to go back and listen to that again, but never did. So I move on. Um, I went on to The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Mesrick. Anyway, this is the story of, uh, of Facebook, how Facebook was formed. And I think the, the movie The Social Network was based upon the story of The Accidental Billionaires. There's a lot more details inside of The Accidental Billionaires that tells the story of the founding of Facebook. And I remember hearing this, but because it was told almost as a fictional story, and some of it, it is actually just Mark Zuckerberg did not contribute to the story, so it's a retelling. But it was, it was very much story for, format versus here's information I'm sharing with you. So it actually read like a fiction story. It read like a story, and I loved it. Then there was Lynchpin 
by Seth Godin. And Seth Godin uh, is an enjoyable person to listen to, and he actually narrated his own book. But once again, Lynchpin was a book where, man, I listened to the entire audiobook from the beginning to end, and I feel like I really picked up about 20, 30% of it. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again. I never did. Then the Hunger Games. Of course, that's when I'm like, okay, Hunger... It's like, all of a sudden, uh, I'm starting to see that, man, fiction books... I'm act there I'm retaining about 100% of everything that I listen to in fiction or storytelling mode as I'm listening to an audiobook. This isn't anything where I feel like I need to remember details, remember insights and all of this stuff so that I can go and teach it later in life because for me I'm a growth and contribution kind of guy. So what happened was after I finished The Hunger Games, then I purchased Entree Leadership, which was a very popular book back in the time. It was November 2011 by Dave Ramsey. And I listened to the entire book of Entree Leadership. And from beginning to end, I probably paused a couple times here and there, you know, different activities, but I listened to the entire audiobook. There were three things, actually, no, there are two things that I remember from, that remember teaching other people, two or three things. One of them was the quadrant of, of, um, uh, of how you prioritize things. There's the, the uh, unimportant and non-urgent. There's the important but and, and not urgent. And there's the urgent and important and blah, blah, blah. You know, the four quadrants of how you categorize your to-do list. I don't think that was new to Dave Ramsey, but it was the first time I heard of it. And I remember that being the, that's today, still today, that's the only thing I can teach you from Dave Ramsey's book, Entree Leadership. I did go and buy the ebook, but I never got around to reading the ebook. I remember thinking, I need to go through. There is so much powerful information in Entree Leadership. I never went back and did it. I have no excuse as to why I never did. I just never did. But I do remember after listening to that book, there, there were so many insights firing at me, so many different things that I wanted to recall. Oh, I have to remember this. Oh, I have to remember that. But man, the thing would fire off a thought, an inspiration. I'm all thinking about how that applies to all the things I might do in the future. I'm actually evaluating what Dave Ramsey just said in Entree Leadership. I'm now trying to refocus and reevaluate past experiences, looking at them through a brand new filter. And the next thing you know, it's about 25 minutes later, and I have, and Dave's still been talking. And I've missed it. And I'm like, back, 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 trying to get back to where I was when that inspired. And then I'm, I'm like, okay, now I can listen again. And it was such a frustrating experience that I, it, once I finished with it, I recall that I created an episode of Pursuing a Balanced Life titled, I Will Never Listen to a Nonfiction Audiobook Ever Again. <laughs> I will never listen to a I hate nonfiction audio books. From this point forward, I will only listen to audiobooks that are fiction. I will only read nonfiction professional personal growth books in ebook form. New distinction. I hate nonfiction audiobooks. And that was in November 2011. And guess what? I never read another non or never listened to another nonfiction audiobook from November 2011 until 
January 26th, 2020. Or actually, until January 2020. Oh, my gosh. Well, actually, that's not true. There there have been a couple. I've hated. I've hated them until now. Um, So what happened during this period of time is that my belief about audiobooks and nonfiction relegated me to only having this in ebook format. And for a while, I, I guess I kind of got, you know, I, I moved away from the Kindles and I would, you know, every time I got an, I, I, soon, I remember the first time I got a one, I think it was the iPhone 6 Plus was the first large, big, huge Plus phone. And I remember when I got that, I was back to reading ebooks again. Um, but I was reading nonfiction. Um, because the screen was so big, it was kind of like a little ebook reader in my pocket. And then I got the iPad minis and stuff like that. And so, but over time, when the technology wasn't appealing to me, I, I, I fell out of reading this. And I was, you know, most of my personal growth was through um, podcasts or through videos on YouTube, documentaries, and all this other stuff. But I, I wasn't getting as much personal growth time through through written book content, even in the form of audio, because I was actually spending a lot of my time listening to fiction audio. I love fiction audio. Man, the, the, I, the stories I've listened to in fiction. And I, I find a ton of value in fiction audio, tons of value in the fiction. But I hated physical books until January of this year. Now, the thing is, is I actually have... Dis- and and uh, wait a second, that's not... I've hated audiobooks until 2015. In 2015, I actually, oh man, and I'm not going to be able to edit. I could edit this. I don't want to edit any of this. But here's what it is. I hated um, audio nonfiction from 2001, uh, 2011 through 2015. I said it was through 2020, but it wasn't. It was 2015. Here's what changed for audiobooks for me. It was the audio versions of Creating Lasting Change and Personal Power 2. It was those Tony Robbins audio programs because those are very much nonfiction. They're very much personal growth. And I started to listen to those and because I was so ingrained in them. And what happened is I finally discovered a new distinction for listening to uh, to nonfiction audio. And I had to employ this with Tony Robbins. Uh, With Tony Robbins, the very first time I listened to the 10-day audio program of Creating Lasting Change, um, it was, uh, I, I would listen to day one and I'm like, okay, I had the same problem with Entree Leadership. I'm listening to Tony talk. He said something, boom, my, my imagination's off in a far off land. Now, I actually be, I was listening to this audio program while on a 35 mile bike ride on my bike down Route 8 down by the river. I was literally on my bike listening to this audiobook. So I couldn't sit there and go back to where the last time I and and so what I did is I just said, you know what? I'm just going to listen to this and just let it flow over me. I'm just going to just absorb what I can. And if I only get 3 insights out of the entire uh 10-day pr- audio program, no problem at all. And so for 10 days, I went on approximately 10 different bike rides for an hour or more each, and I listened to all of Creating Lasting Change, and I only picked up about 10, 10-15% of what was being shared in that program. But man, it was radical, that stuff that I was learning. And then I came inside, and I listened to it a second time, 
at the I probably is at the gym. And the second time I'm picking up and it's like, man, I couldn't I can swear I've never heard Tony say those things before. It's because I didn't pick up my mind's still going off in different tangents. It's like, oh okay, I remember that. I went down that tangent and so I make it another sentence or two in. Tony shares a new insight that boom gets me off a different thing. This is why I've gone through Creating Lasting Change, Personal Power 2, the audio version of Unleash the Power Within, like more than 30 different times now, and I can listen to it the 31st time, and it's a 10-day program. I've heard it 30 times before. I've listened to it from the beginning to the end, but there are still things that I will hear this 31st time that I swear I did not consciously hear the first 30 times I went through this program. Because I've learned that I don't need to pick up every single insight from every book the first time through, even if it's the only time through. Would it be valuable for me to just have one life transformational insight and allow that to radically change the direct trajectory of my life? If so, cool. If I never go back and read Entree Leadership again, is that, is that fine? Well, I've done pretty well with my life since. I still may go back and read it again. Who knows? But I don't have to do what I do in ebook format, which is to read three paragraphs, highlight all three paragraphs, transcribe all three paragraphs into my notes, and then actually bullet point the insights that I'm thinking as I'm doing it, which I tend to do because that's who I am. Remember what I told you about how I did college? I'd hear the lecture, transcribe the lecture, make sure I didn't miss anything from the transcription of the lecture and write my notes, bring in my illustrations and do things. That's how I internalize it and then I wanna go and tell other people about it. But I had to discover that I don't have to do that with audiobooks. I can just listen to them over and over again if they're good enough to do that. And if they're not, then so be it. Is there anything that I read, listened to in, so far into this book? I'm four or five chapters in. And this is a nonfiction book. Have, have I been prompted to go down a thought process that helps me think and shift how I see the future? How, does it help me reevaluate and see past experiences through a new filter and see things that have happened in my past from a new perspective and help me reestablish different beliefs about what life is going on, what, about how life is? If so, then cool. That's all I need. And if I get a couple chapters into a nonfiction audiobook by Carol Dwork titled Mindset, and it's like the fifth ver- the fifth chapter of this book seems to be rehashing the same thing I heard. It's like, well, I got the insight. If she's not going to say anything new and I'm five chapters in, I'm done with this. And I just dropped it, moved on. Do I know about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset? And do I know how that applies to kids and adults alike? Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally fine with going and finding a five to 10 minute or 12 minute book summary of mindset by Carol Dwork and seeing, oh, yep, I came away with all of that. Okay, moving on with life. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, I like audio content. So now I love to read and I've actually gotten to the place as of 2015, as the place from 2015, I have discovered that I love to read and it doesn't matter if I'm reading in ebook Kindle format or any kind of ebook format or if I'm listening in audio format from 2015 through today, I love to read, but I still hate physical books. That's the thing that I, from 2015 until January 2020, I still have had this belief that I hate physical books. My, I used to be, I hate to read, I hate to read, I hate to read, I hate to read. I'm a terrible reader until 2009, I discover I love to read. 
I just hate physical books. And here's all the reasons why I hate physical books. Physical books just don't work for me. And then all of a sudden, I discover audiobooks, and I kind of like audiobooks until one day, for whatever reason, I decide that, oh my gosh, I am not able to take notes and, and absorb every single freaking insight that can possibly su- be sucked dry out of this book in audio form. And so all of a sudden, uh, I, I make that decision in November 2011, I, I hate audiobooks in nonfiction until I discover in 2015 I can change my belief about how I about the way the world ought to be when it comes to how much content you absorb from an audiobook and how you absorb content. And you can come back. If it's really great, you'll come back and listen to it three or four more times. You might actually listen to it five times, then go buy the uh, ebook and highlight the heck out of it. And then all of a sudden what happened was in July of last year, I had the audiobook of The Prosperous Coach by Rich Litvin and Steve Chandler, and I'm reading it and or listening to it, and I listen to it again, and I listen to it again, and I'm like, okay, I want to highlight the heck out of this. Is there an ebook version? No. Oh my gosh, there's no Kindle version of this book. So I went and bought the physical copy. And I and I highlighted the heck out of it because it was the only thing. But man, it's still, you know, I'm like, but I hate this. I can't believe, oh my gosh, I have a physical. And I mean, I, it's such a big deal. This book has always been on my desk. I hold it up all the time. It's the Prosperous Coach. It's probably one of the, it's clever that they did this. It's a good thing they don't have an ebook. Do you know how many times I've held up this book, the Prosperous Coach up on camera over and over again? I hold it up because I love that book. And I actually love this physical book, but I, you know what? I still haven't finished going all the way through and finished highlighting and, and sucking everything out of it that I can. Why? Because I still believed even in July of last year and August of last year and, and September of last year and October, November, and December of 2019, I still believed I hated physical books. Let me tell you what this means. When you believe that you hate, when I believe that I hate physical books, this is what happens. I have stacks and stacks of books from friends of mine, Michael Hyatt, uh, Ray Edwards, Dan Miller, all of, the, I mean, I, and, and so many other people. I have so many physical books that people gave me. And, and some of them like, Cliff, man, the conversation we have, here's a book I really believe you should read. I highly recommend this book to you. And what happens is the next couple days, front door, there's a package and it's a physical book. All right. And do you know what I do? I look at it and I'm like, oh, cool. And if it is a book that actually does intrigue me, I'll look at the front cover. I'll look at the description. I'm like, I'll look at the chapters. Man, that looks really interesting, but I hate physical books. So guess what I do? First thing I do, as soon as somebody gifts me a physical book, I would go to Audible first, because I, I have learned I do prefer audiobooks as long as the narrator doesn't suck. Just saying. The narrator's got to be halfway decent. If, if, I, if, the, if the narrator is horrible in the sample, then I may actually then say, okay, well, by the way, if it's if it's in Audible and the narrator's pretty decent, then I will actually buy the Audible, ver- the Audible version of the physical book that somebody just gave me. So, by the way, if, if anything, up until now, if you've ever sent me a physical book, you just, it's never been read. It's, it's never, the spine has never really been cracked open. But if it was a really great recommendation and something that I really valued, I did go and get the audible version. As long as the narration was good, 
if the narration wasn't good and I still felt like it was a good book recommendation and I desperately want to read it, then I would go see if there's a Kindle version. If there's a Kindle version, then I would buy it. If there wasn't a Kindle version, like E-Myth Revisited, I would then go to Apple Books and see if it was there. And I would, I guess I'd have to go to a secondary ebook reader app on my phone or whatever. And I would get it there. But man, if the only option is available to me is the physical book up until recently, until January 2020, I hate physical books until this book came in. The Wizard Within. And I talked about this in a recent piece of content that I created about hypnotherapy and date weekend. Uh, and this was a gift from a friend of mine. His name is Tim Shore. And I'm really into mindset, subconscious mind, all of this stuff. The number of books that I have read about how our, our human behavior, why we do what we do, how much of it is intentional, how much of it is habitual, how much of it is willpower, how much, how our subconscious mind works is a very big thing for me. So much about the subconscious or the, you know, what we're doing with the unconscious mind or this subconscious mind. I am intrigued by this, like, to no end. And I've also been recently more and more open to the idea of studying the world of hypnotherapy, you know, how therapists are able to achieve great feats of reprogramming people's neuroassociations through hypnotism. And so I met a guy recently, his name is Tim Shore, and he and I had a wonderful interview on his podcast and, and his show and loved our conversation. I had in research for before I did an interview with him, I wanted to research who I was talking to and what his brand is, who his community is. And I learned that he has, uh, he's a hypnotist and he has this podcast called uh, I, How to Be Mesmerizing and all this other stuff. And I I started after our interview. I asked him some questions about hypnosis and stuff like that. And he actually immediately dispelled a couple myths that I had been believing about hypnotism and stuff like that. And I sat there, I said, listen, it seems to me like you've not only studied this yourself, but you used to teach hypnotism and all this stuff. If I were a novice at this, but I was looking to get into the study of hypnotherapy, what's the first book, the one book you would recommend that I start with? He goes, I got a great book for you. I'll I'll let you know. I can't remember the name of it. So I was thinking I was going to wait until I got an email from him with the recommendation. I was going to immediately go and find it on Audible. And if not on Audible, then on Kindle, right? Well, a couple days later, I get this in the mail. This, and by the way, I'm, I'm holding up a physical book, The Wizard Within by Dr. A.M. Krasner. And it, it teaches you the uh, Krasner method of clinical hypnotherapy. And I'm like, awesome. I'm so thrilled to receive this book. And I immediately go to see if there's an audible version of it. There's not. I immediately go to see if there is a... A uh, an ebook version of it. There's not. I go into my Libby app that I have through the the library the libraries uh, system that has ebooks and and uh, audiobooks, and it's not there. I didn't. I don't think that I actually looked into Apple Books, but I, I now that I think of it, I should probably check it out. But here's what I will tell you: is <laughs> leverage. This is how it works. I desperately want to read this book. For me, not reading this book equals massive, immediate, unbearable pain. And reading this book leads to immediate 
massive and immediate pleasure. This is how we get ourselves to do things that we thought we once hated. This is how you can take a class two behavior. By the way, for me, reading a physical book had always been a class two behavior. What is a class two behavior? A class two behavior, reading this book, it's good for me, it's good for others, and it serves the greater good. The only thing is, though, is I don't like to do it. I hate doing it, maybe. All right, so a class two behavior, number one, it's good for you. Number two, it's good for others. Number three, it serves the greater good. But number four, you hate doing it or you don't like it. That's a class two behavior. A class one behavior is just like a class two behavior. It's still good for you. It's still good for others. And it still serves the greater good. But the difference is in a class four behavior, the fourth element is you actually like it. You love it. And how do you go from a class two to a class one? Leverage. How do I, and, and, and by the way, I can tell you right now, I love physical books. I can't, oh my gosh. I love reading and I love books in audio format. I love books in ebook format and I have discovered a love for the physical book. So much so that I'm like, okay, well, I want to be able to read in bed without keeping Stephanie awake. And I want to be able to, uh, you know, do I get myself a lamp and stuff like that? I went out and bought myself a book lamp. By the way, I did some researching and, and I want you guys to go find this. If you are a physical book reader and there's some books that you need a little, you know, one of those little lights that clip on in the back of your, I used to have the ones that were battery powered and stuff like that. This is, uh, it's made by Vecchia. V-E-K-K-I-A. Don't worry, I'm going to give you a link for this. But this has a, a little rechargeable battery inside of it. You just plug, it comes with a micro USB to charge it up. Supposedly, I think lasts at least 10 hours on one charge at the highest setting, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. You can read the description on there. But it clips onto the back of the book. Oh, by the way, they have all kinds of different book lights. I dis, okay, I do hate the the like the what they call daylight lamps the, those are the ones it's called cool light it's it's kind of more of a white light i like an kind of an amberish brown dark warm light and so i'm like listen i got to find the right lamp i want a one that i'm not have to put batteries in all the time so i found this little clip on book light it clips onto the back cover of the book and it's got this little uh, ar- uh, this arm that's adjustable, and you can put it in all kinds of different uh, things. It- it's just awesome. And there are three. It- it's it's a warm light. It's LED, and you can make it uh, you can make it soft and soft brightness or a, a, a kind of a very low brightness, and then the medium brightness, and then like there's a like dude, I'm lighting up the whole bedroom with this nice warm light, and. Ah, it's awesome. I love this book light to go with my physical books that I now love. Um, this book light, mindsetanswerman.com slash book light. I can't recommend this physical book, book light highly enough. Mindsetanswerman.com slash book light, all one word. Yeah, so now I'm sitting here taking, I, I literally, I'm taking this book with me everywhere and I'm reading it and I'm taking my highlighters with me and because I love the contents of this book, 
and because it's speaking, it's answering a desire for information, a desire for an area of growth, a, a something that is a, it's peaking a curiosity, and it's it was available in no other format than this physical book, and I'm loving this physical book, and I now have a new neuro association. I love physical books. So here, I went through most of my life, uh, well, most of my early half of my life, all the way up until 2009, all the way till 2000, from 1973 to 2009, I hate reading. I don't care what, I I hate green eggs and hams. I will not eat them, Sam, I am. I I hate, I will not eat them in a car. I will not eat them in a bar. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. I don't think that they had a bar in Green Eggs and Ham. But I hated to read. I And because I hated to read, I never read. And because I f- told myself, I believe I hate to read, I, I actually was a terrible reader. I believed I was a terrible reader, and therefore I, I read in a terrible way. The subconscious mind is a powerful servo mechanism. It's uncritical. It's non-judgmental. It will not criticize what you tell it. It will not judge what you tell it. If you tell it without without critically thinking through whether or not this is a real genuine statement, without critically analyzing it from various multiple perspectives, if you tell yourself you hate to read it is true for you. If you tell yourself you can't read, it's true for you. If you tell yourself you can't read and understand and comprehend and remember anything, it's true for you. You tell yourself you hate physical books and you only like ebooks and you don't like fic- nonfiction and audible. It's true for you. And all of these things that I've told you, I've shared all of this to tell you that Thankfully, I found some form at various points in time where I actually like to read. But now, guess what? Now that I've discovered that not only do I love to read, I love to read no matter what format. I can read an audio, I can listen to an audiobook. Doesn't matter if it's fiction, nonfiction, does not matter at all. I can love to read an e an ebook. And today I can tell you that I can pick up a physical book and love it just as much. And because now I have eliminated the belief that I don't like to read, I can't read, I'm not good at reading, I have benefited so much. I look at two, my life from 2009 to where it is today. And specifically, I talked about all the way up until October 2010. That, by the way, is when I first started to participate in a mastermind group. And there's a whole lot more about the hockey stick of the exponential growth and success in my life that goes on top of reading. You put a love for reading and personal growth and contri- contribution and then put on top of that raising your up expectation of your peer group Oh my gosh, through a mastermind, wow. Incredible stuff. But I want to tell you, my life has radically changed uh, already from going from I, I don't like to read to I'll, I can read an ebook. I love to read ebooks. I love ebooks. I love audiobooks. And then getting back to the fact that I love all audiobooks, that, or at least all audiobook form, for any kind of format of a book that interests me. And then. Uh, as long as the book interests me, I love. I also love physical books, and this sounds crazy, but a thought went through my mind. I wonder if I should go and buy a physical book of every book, ebook and audiobook I've ever read or listened to 
that has had a profound amount of impact on me and just start creating a library of physical books. What a crazy, silly thought that is. I don't know that I'll ever go through it. But let me say what I want to say. I know this is an insanely long piece of content. Let me tell you, this is the kind of content that I felt led to create today. Long, short, doesn't matter. The whole thing is, is be careful about what you choose to believe. Be careful about the stories you tell yourself. If you tell yourself that you can't do live math, you'll never be able to do the simplest of equations. You consistently tell your subconscious mind that you hate to read, that you can't comprehend, you never remember anything, blah, blah, blah. You tell yourself that, you're going to live that out. Uh, if you tell yourself, listen, I can't go to sleep at night. I, I have, uh, I'm have. i a major insomniac. I've had this problem for years. Now, some people may have some neurological conditions that cause this, but there are some people that the reason why you don't sleep is because, well, you've you believe you've t- you've convinced yourself you've created a very strong suggestion to your subconscious mind that bypassed the critical thinking about through everything about whether or not why this may or may not be true for you you've just accepted it as true you've told your subconscious mind and your body then responds. The subconscious mind is a powerful servo mechanism, an uncritical, non-judgmental computer. It accepts as true any suggestion that is allowed to bypass the critical factor of the conscious mind to make entrance into its system of memory bank. And by the way, just as I was reading that, I was consciously saying to myself, I can read that entire statement without messing up. And I did it because I believed that I could. This, my friends, is the power of belief, and I love what this book, this is a direct quote from The Wizard Within. Remember this, we always act and feel and perform according to what we imagine and believe to be true about ourselves and our surroundings. Tony Robbins said it this way, the greatest force in all human personality is the fact that we must remain true to who we believe we are. We will always act in accordance to what we believe about ourselves. With that, my friends, I want to encourage you to take what you believe to the next level. Mindset and surmise.